It's great to be with all of you this morning. You know, I, I think faith is a little bit like glasses. Uh, you know, the only time you really pay attention to your glasses is when you're looking for them. Otherwise, you don't pay attention to them because they're best when you see through them and you don't see them at all. Uh, you've ever known anybody, uh, I count myself amongst these people, who is looking diligently for their glasses only to discover they're actually sitting on their face? You know? Um, we examine glasses only long enough to remove the, sme- the specks of dust and smudges that prevent us from seeing. When we're sitting in our chair, when we're, our glasses are best when we're not aware of them, but they allow us to see the book we're reading or watch the television program. We don't really see our glasses, but when we use our glasses, we see. I was in graduate school when I discovered that I needed glasses. Uh, All the reading, all the writing, it became apparent that I was far-sighted, which means I couldn't see things close up. Uh, Some of you may be nearsighted, and you can't see things far away. Um, It seems to me that lots of us are pretty short-sighted, in that we approach life in such a way that we're not really planning for the long-term future. Uh, Many of us take on debt. We buy things that we really can't afford. It's rather short-sighted. John Calvin, the uh, reformer from the 16th century and the father of what's known as the Reformed faith, used to say that the scriptures are the spectacles through which life comes into focus for us. When we read the scripture, it becomes... God's revelation to us, which clarifies life. Otherwise, it just all seems foggy and we can't make much sense out of it. When we put on the spectacles of faith, we see with greater clarity. So this morning, I want to talk about belief and sight. Here's a story in the scripture about a physical healing and spiritual blindness. And it's masterfully written in John's gospel. And there's more than meets the eye in this narrative. Here's a blind man who receives sight for the very first time in his life, and ironically what he sees are those who are blind, spiritually. One problem solved, but it left a myriad of more complex problems, and all of those problems have Jesus at the center of the constellation. So if you thought faith was going to make your life easier, you may be in for a surprise. It didn't make this man's life any easier, who was born blind. Well, I suspect it was a lot easier, but it was also much more complicated. Even though Jesus disappears from the action in the story, after he's healed the man and sent him off to the pool of Siloam, then all this narrative occurs where they're trying to determine whether he was the guy who was was appropriately healed, and they talk to his parents and all of this stuff. Jesus disappears from the narrative, but it's always about him and who sees Jesus correctly. So it comes to Jesus apparently 
what you see is what you get in Jesus. Here's the light of Christ for this man who now can see clearly and is seen clearly by God. Meanwhile, the opposition to Jesus kind of intensifies. There were others in the story, they were so sure and certain of their theological truths, so so sure that they had a grasp on the truth themselves that they chose to turn a blind eye to what was staring them in the face. And no amount of evidence could persuade them otherwise. They had made up their minds about who Jesus was, and they held on to their alternative facts. Now, I've come to believe as I get older that accurate perception of reality is not as easy to come by as I once thought. Take, for example, Jack and Jill. When Jack and Jill fall in love, all the gossips in town turn to one another and say, I just don't know what she sees in him. And that's true. They don't. They don't know what she sees in him. But ask Jill... And she'll tell you what she sees in him. She finds in her loved one the fulfillment of her dreams. And when she looks at him, well, she just thinks there's no one else like him in the world. Now, who has it right? Do the gossips have it right? Do they know the truth of the matter? Or does Jack and Jill have it right? Are these lovers given to excess in their claims of truth? Or are the gossips deficient somehow in their view of the truth? See, Jesus doesn't see the man born blind as defined by his disability. And isn't that something that we all fear, that somehow we're going to be defined by those things that are disabilities for us rather than our abilities and our competencies? My father-in-law, for instance, has stopped telling people his age. He discovered that after he turned 80, when he told people the truth about his age, they would completely discount him and treat him as if he wasn't capable of doing anything anymore. So he now tells them, anybody asks, how old are you? He's 75. He's going to tell everybody 75 for the rest of his life. In an age of social networking, we all create a little image of ourselves online that may have not much to do with reality, but it's what we want others to perceive of us. So who knows you best? My guess is it's somebody who loves you. Why? Well, because love and trust and generosity will always reveal more than suspicion and hatred and fear will ever discover. You respond to people you trust. Trust is the condition of knowledge of someone. I'm not going to share much of myself with you or what I care about unless I believe that you care about me in some way. If you do not trust me, you will never really know me. In relationships, we have to believe before we can see. 
We have to take a risk and trust in order to see the other and what we believe to be in the other. So Jesus sees beyond the circumstances of this guy's life. He sees beyond the stereotype of a a blind beggar. He sees beyond his disability and his discouragements, and he engages this man as he is. Christ's love for us always goes beyond our suspicion and cynicism and our hatred and fears. But we will never see him as he is unless we trust him. In the words of St. Augustine, to have faith is to believe what you cannot see. And the reward of faith is to see what you believe. Now that doesn't mean that everything we want or we believe in is going to come true. I don't know if you're like me, but I've been watching a lot of NCAA basketball this week. And it's finally occurred to me, you know, I'm probably not going to make it into the NBA. I'm just too short. It's, it's not my age. There's all sorts of ways that we delude ourselves about the truth. We see only what we want to see. There have been a few times in my life when I was totally unable to come to terms with some disappointing reality in life. My niece's drug addiction, my mother's Alzheimer's, my father's death, my grandson's stillbirth. Sometimes it's just difficult to look at life squarely and clearly because I don't know how to handle it. There are some realities we just won't admit to because we don't know how to respond if it's true. Someone once asked Helen Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? And she replied, it's more terrible to have eyes and not see. And that is the indictment of the religious officials in the text today in John 9. They have eyes to see, but they choose to turn a blind eye to a reality staring them in the face because it didn't meet their expectations. It didn't square with their petty certainties about life. So what are you pretending not to see in your own life this morning? You know, it could be you're really suffering from some abuse or some harassment from a spouse or a parent or from a caregiver or an employer. You're just not willing to admit it because you don't know what to say and you don't know who to tell. Maybe it comes down to this. Maybe you really are a bit of a racist. You always discount the contributions of black people or Hispanics or Muslims. Maybe you treat your Chinese or your Eurocentric neighbors through a stereotype. Or maybe you become so sure of your own political views that when somebody opposes you or somebody disagrees with you, you treat them as if they're mentally inferior to you. 
Or perhaps you treat women as less capable. Or maybe you treat gay people as somehow disabled and damaged goods. Or maybe you have defined yourself by some disability in your own life and you use that as an excuse for not getting on with life and not trying anymore. Because, after all, why should you have to be concerned about somebody else's life? What responsibility do you have to make someone else's life better? There are just so many ways we delude ourselves and see only what we want to see. And quite possibly, like the religious officials in this story, we might need to rethink our petty certainties and our conclusions that no longer square with reality. We may need Jesus Christ to take a little dirt and a little spit and rub it on our eye sockets and then have the courage to open our eyes to a different reality. There's just so much more to life than meets the eye. And it's not that seeing is believing. It's believing is actually seeing. And it gives us the courage and gives us the foundation to open our eyes. Faith is the very condition of sight. It's a way of bringing life into focus that's already there waiting to be seen. To come to faith is to become fully human. It's not simply that without faith you will not know God. It's that without faith you won't even be able to see life clearly. Without the love of God in Jesus Christ, you relate to people through your suspicions and your fears rather than through love as a fellow brother or sister in Christ. I mean, when Jesus encountered people, it wasn't the Samaritan woman at the well he encountered. It was a human being who he engaged. It wasn't a man born blind, a beggar, It was a gift of God sitting there by the side of the road. We run the risk of underestimating people and what they're capable of doing and becoming when we don't look at them through the eyes of faith. But more importantly even than that, we underestimate who Jesus Christ is and what he's capable of doing in human life. But once upon a time, Jesus Christ and the God who Jesus Christ represents took from the earth dust and with his own saliva made a paste and as an act of the creator gave sight to someone who never had had it. There's just more than meets the eye. And then Jesus encountered the same man and he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, Tell me, sir, who is this that I may believe in him? 
And Jesus said, you have seen him. The one who is speaking to you, it is he. And he may be speaking to you too. Listen to him. It will give you greater clarity and change the focus of your life. I guarantee you that. Thanks be to God. Amen.